Welcome to the Going Rogue with Wes Whitlock podcast. All right, man. Hey, uh, today is a special day, man, because I have Jeff Gonzalez here, man. We've already been having a good time. <laughs> That's true. Uh, Jeff showed up here looking looking sexy as always, so uh, I got my day going in the right direction seeing, seeing him come in. And I'm um, excited to have you here, man. I've known Jeff for, for a while now um, through the industry, and uh, I think I met, I think we met at SHOT Show years back. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah. It was a long time ago. Way back. Um, and uh, just from there, kind of just uh, developed a relationship of, uh, as friends. Um, and he lives here in Austin, Texas, man, which is cool. A lot of people uh, think Austin's full of, um, <laughs> you know, what have yous, but... There's a lot of dudes out here, man. It's kind of cool that uh, they they're, they're connecting out here. And like the other week, we had a great workout. Oh my god, that was so awesome! Hanging out with you and Tim and those guys. So that that was fun, man. But dude, thanks for coming. This is like I said, this is all new to me. Um, a lot of folks have been asking about it, and it's fun. It's been good for me to be able to sit down. The only time we ever get together is at places like Shot Show. We say, man, yeah. we're back, but we were always busy and this and the other. So this forces us yeah. to get together, and it's always a good thing. So, dude, thank you, brother, for coming, man. I'm, I'm ex- super excited to have you. Well, I mean, you know, we were chatting a little bit. Like, I can remember when you first moved into this building, and it was, like, it was so awesome because I literally live, like, a stone's throw from here, and I was so excited to see you open up shop and watch you, you know, watch you kick ass in the industry and kind of be able to, kind of like, yeah, uh-huh, I know that guy. I've been watching him kick ass. So, you know, being able to come out on to the podcast is awesome. I mean, I love doing podcasts for a lot of reasons. Um, I think the biggest one is that it's the last form of, like, storytelling. You know, we're in such a digital age that it's, like, you know, it's only, it's it's a picture or it's, you know, 240 characters or whatever the case might be so we don't have a chance anymore really to sit down and have these like good stories like we were talking about in the very beginning like our school you know kind of like our school uh you know i wouldn't call it i wouldn't i wouldn't call it misbehavior distractions from what we should have really been doing (laughs) yeah Yeah. exactly no you hit it right on the head man and i'm the same way we get busy we get uh it pulls us this is good because we got to put our phones away put them down and kind of change your, your mind and kind of change. Uh, it's like being at the range or shooting. You know, when you're shooting, your front sight trigger. Yeah. You're in that. You're in that area. You're not really thinking about anything else. So it's kind of cool to be able to sit down and, and like you said, this is a lost deal, man. Dudes don't get together and, and spend time together and just talk about you know what it is that they're doing and what and just kind of catching up on things. Well, the other thing too about that's that's that I find to be really nice about podcast is. Um, you know, they're, they're audio. I mean, they, they are video in some respects, but, you know, they're, they're audio-based for the most part. So they have a lot of value in the sense that you can, like, when I commute long distances, I can sit there and pull up a podcast and listen in on, uh, I mean, you name a subject and there's a podcast, yep. you know, genre for it. It's like, it's, it's, it's awesome in a sense, and it's like, it's also overwhelming. It's like I got like a laundry list of all these podcasts that I'm supposed to be listening to and watching, and I'm like, uh, oh, I'm not, I just there's not enough time in the day. Yeah, I get the, I get the same way when it when there's too many options with stuff that are all good. There's yeah. so much I just kind of eh, shut myself off and don't do any of them, you yeah. know. But I'm the same way. Traveling um, is when I when I usually 
put one on. Um, I just finally got to listen to um, the University of Badassery with, with Pat and CJ. I love what they're doing, you know, and um, and I learned a lot of stuff that I didn't know about both of them. I know yeah. both of them pr pretty well, so it's kind of cool. You learn something new, and you kind of take away. You know, I'm, I'm like you, man, and a lot of other guys. It's time and value, man. It's like if I'm going to listen to something or do something, I, I want it to bring some kind of value to me Dude. in my life. And those, a lot of them, they, they do, even subconsciously. Like, man, that just, man, that's that motivated me to sit down and even to do this. Like, mm -hmm. I've been talking about this for a while. And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm busy and yeah. this, that, and the other. i got to get the equipment. And I don't know how to set all this stuff up, man. And start doing a little research and, and then listen to some other podcast inspires. Like, you know what? Dude, I just need to get get one going, and 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 I got f awesome friends, man. Yeah. I'm like, dude, I have really cool friends that um, I would love to have on here, man. And it's it's been really cool. Well, it's I think the thing that I like most about the podcast, particularly when I know people that are doing them, is that like you 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 said it earlier, like you learned something about Pat that you I mean you known Pat forever, and like. There's there's this certain kind of setting again. It's that storytelling composite that opens up a lot of other subjects that you don't really hear about. And like I'm like you in the sense like I've gotten to a point in my my life where you know I value my time. I, I, you, I can't you can't buy that back. You know, and I look back at my life and I realize wow I wasted a lot of time in some in some cases. And so I'm very very stingy with my time these days. Yep. So when I'm like sitting down to listen to a podcast, it, it's got a val it's gotta bring value to me somehow. And I've been pretty lucky. I haven't you know, it's like it's like when you sit down and watch a movie and you realize that was a dumb movie. Right. And I just wasted <laughs> an hour and a half of my life watching yeah. this movie. So I try not to make those mistakes with a podcast. And so far, man, there, I mean there's so many good dudes out there doing podcasts and they're yeah. bringing value to everybody in some way, shape or form. Yeah. You just gotta be willing to like take a step back and say, All right, well, what can I learn from this? Yeah, absolutely, dude, absolutely, man. And also, like, when it comes to guys like you or people that know you through social media or whatever, they think, what do they think about? Think of Navy SEAL shooting guns, which is great, and we're going to get into some of that. <laughs> yeah. But there's also things that they don't know about you, man, like that, I don't know, maybe you play the harp or something. You know, I, I don't know. There's probably <laughs> something. I, I just learned you're a great uh, artist, you know, obviously. <laughs> I got straight A's in school, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I guess to 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 let everybody in on kind of like what we were talking about, um, the artwork, the sketch work that you did for this, first of all, is so badass. I mean, well, and I can't take credit for that. Like, the, that, I, the idea was there. Yeah, uh, I'm like you, man. Yeah. I'll sketch a lot because I love to sketch. I'm just not that good at at art, but I love it. I'll try, and I, I you know, once in a while, I'll do something okay. But, um, you know, that for this project that we're working yeah. on, you know, I had um, a buddy of mine, Joey. Uh, nobody. He goes by nobody. He says he's a nobody. He's a he's a tattoo artist down in Virginia Beach. Yeah, yeah. He does a lot of work for a lot of different guys and um, just awesome artists. So oh, when yeah. we we're talking about <laughs> this, I'm like, you know, and some guys you get to know well and they know your what what you're into and they and they know you as well. They can kind of go. I don't have to tell them anything. I'm like, bro, I need this <laughs> yeah. of Jeff or whoever. And he's like, 
got it. You know, I, I love guys like that that just get shit done, bro. Well, what, you know? I was, what I was laughing at was when I saw that first rendering, it had that smirk. Yeah. You know, that I love. I walk around with a smirk a lot yeah. of times, and I was really you surprised. Know, you always have that. You always have that good energy. Uh, yeah. You know, which is great, man. Yeah. I hate those negative Nancys yeah, and I fucking know. frowny Freds and shit. You know, well, like. I was, like, so <laughs> impressed that that's how he. That's, that was the kind of, like, imagery. So. Captured you know, it well. It, he did. Yep. I mean, he nailed it. I was like, damn. And, um,. So we were laughing because, like, I have very poor sketching skills, very poor. And when I was in sniper school, I couldn't even draw, like, a square house, square building. You know, it was terrible. Like, I was on the fringe of being able to just pass that evolution. And then I was laughing because we go all the way back to, like, elementary school. We're sitting there in elementary school, and, I, like, I'm sure about half a million other kids at that time period, you, we couldn't sit still. We couldn't, yeah. like, focus. We couldn't do all that stuff. We now know why, but back then it was right. just whatever. <laughs> And I can remember sitting there and drawing these sketches, like these war images, like, and they would take sometimes like three sheets of paper, like it would just like continue on, and you know yep. there'd be airplanes and tanks and little stick figure guys. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> that was like that was the extent yeah. of my 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 art career ended then, yeah. right then. That was as far as my art career ever got. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's so funny you saying that. I bet there's a lot of guys on here that also were doing the same shit. You know, like I, when you said that, I was laughing because I I. Same thing. I'd go to math class or whatever, and I was like, and I was that kid that was like, dude, I had problems in school, man. So I would just zone out and draw stuff. Yeah. And um, I had one. It was, it was, uh, it was. The characters were like, it's called like Flower Wars or something. Basically, these dudes had plant heads, like big sunflower, but they had you know machine guns and RPGs, <laughs> and they had these uh, these um, tanks that would go underground, and and you know they had these battles, and I'd draw all these things out and just kind of. Escape from what I, I should have been doing. You I know, but so relate. Yeah, I, I mean, bet there's a lot of dudes oh, probably yeah. did the same stuff. Like, dude, you did that, man. Well, you know, <laughs> I mean, one of the things too that that, like, looking back at it, what I can value from that is the the um, the imagination, right? And and letting because that's one of the most, I think, like that's that that imagination is the fuel source behind passion. Right. You and know, it makes you who you are. It is. Truly it totally are, does. You know? Because when you have the ability to think outside of the the lines, to step outside of those lines, right, and right. and actually imagine things, and I mean that's how we that's where we are right now as entrepreneurs. We had to right. imagine what our future was going to be. Right. And we had to create that future through our own blood, sweat, and tears. Yep. But without that imagination to see that future vision, it wouldn't have happened. Wouldn't happen. Not and, at all. And, and that's really what, and that's what this podcast is about: is going rogue. It's like what, what is it? When was it in your life, or when did you always know like that you kind of go on your own path? Like you did have that. Even you not know it's there, but there was there was something inside you that said, "Man, I'm going. I'm gonna. Everybody's going this way. Yeah, yeah. I'm, dude, you became a seal." You, you've uh, started businesses. You've been involved with a lot of stuff that you did on your own. Nobody pushed you. The school didn't push you. Yeah. So it's 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 cool that you say that, man. And I think there's a lot of guys, um, even that come from you know things that we're into and and in the military and stuff like that, um, and that that type of mindset. Those kids were probably all doing that kind of stuff as well. You know, they're a little bit. There was something different about them. Maybe sitting there, and it's hard for me to sit there and and. So is we could take our imagination and create battles and all this stuff, and then later on, you know, you ended up in places like that. You know, yes, so. so true. <laughs> well, it's so funny because I can remember almost exactly when I realized that college life was not for me. Like, um, I was a senior, and I was doing really. I, I mean, academically, I was getting by, but 
Where did where did you grow up again? Here in Texas, central uh, down in San Antonio. Okay, right yeah, on, yeah, dude. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So when I um, I and I swam and played water polo, and I had I was very I was very good at that, and good enough to potentially look at a scholarship. And I went to visit a school, and kind of like go and see if this was like what I wanted to do, and. I got there and like all I was interested in was what was the you know what's the sports package going to look like for me like I I just want to know what am I going to be doing because that's like the only thing that's the only reason why I'm really coming here and they were like oh well you're going to do this you're going to do this and then as soon and 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 we went there and that was the first thing that I wanted to do I didn't want to go see the campus I didn't want to go see all of the other shit that was on you know that was involved with the school I just wanted to go and see the sports program and see how I was going to because to me, that the only reason why I was going to be able to stomach going to college was the sports. Doing what you love. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was the only reason why. And like once I got to the academic side of the house, you know, I sat down. I, I don't remember who we it was like some counselor or um, somebody that kind of like facilitates the process of you going through the campus and whatnot. And I'm like, it got we got in the car, and I'm like. Yeah, this is the more they talk, the more you're like, "Eh, I don't know, man. You should have you should have cut while you were ahead. Like, just introduce yourself. And that's about it. And I I probably could, you know, but then I look at it and like that was probably one of the best decisions that I made, even though I didn't realize it at the time. Right. Like, I felt like I was letting my parents down that they wanted me to go to college because I was the oldest one in our family. And both my mom and dad hadn't gone to college. So it was like the first opportunity yep. um and i was like there's a little bit of pressure per you know get, you know as per what you might expect and i was like yeah no not gonna work yeah. so, so as you're driving home you saw the navy recruiting <laughs> office <laughs> no i mean i actually had um that story happened a little bit sooner um like i started researching like you know you go into in high school you go to the career counselor and you start to you do all those tests that figure out what is you know, what are you going to do or what should you do? And like every one of them had some, something like, you know, park ranger or firefighter or something like that. And I'm like, ah, okay. All right. And, um, so like I started looking into the military about that time Mm -hmm. and, um, I was fascinated with, you know, uh, the special operations community and as a whole. And I hadn't really like put my finger exactly on where I wanted to go. I just know, I just knew that I wanted to go within the special operations community. And, you know, I researched and at the time there was no Internet. And I laugh because, you know, when I tell people like there was a time when the Internet yeah. didn't exist, they're all like, what? Yeah. Like, yeah, dude, you had to actually do shit, yeah. you know, manually. You know, I, I tell people that all the time. And we, we get a lot of young kids that come in here and I want to join the Marines. or I'll, You probably get the messages, too. I want to do. Yeah. Back then you would read old Vietnam books or, you know, you'd. Maybe your crew had some some Dude. paperwork that you could look at. I remember learning my general orders before I went because I, I I wanted to go there prepared. I yeah, was, yeah, yeah. But it, there was no internet. I, I don't even know what it was, so I had to like finagle you know information. You know. What's so funny is like when I went to the recruiter, like I and I did the same thing. I went and I read books about the Vietnam era kind of guys, and you know there there was so much at that time period, and and the ones that. I was most enamored with were were the seals, you know, the the transition from UDT to seal at that time period. And um, when I went to the Navy recruiter, and I asked to to talk to him about the, you know, the, uh, you know, at the time it was called the dive fair program, and I wanted to go into uh, spec war. He was like, well, la, 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 and I'm like, well, that's what I want to do. And and I asked, do you have any literature that I can read? And he pulled out like a single sheet of paper, like that, like that <laughs> sheet of paper right there, and it only had material on the front so it wasn't even two-sided 
<laughs> and he's like, wow. here's what I got, you know? And I was like, hmm, okay, <laughs> very cool. That, this, is, this is the information that the United States Navy has about one of its programs. That's it. It's just one single leaflet page. Right. That was it, you know? And it wasn't even full. It didn't even go all the way to the bottom. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it just, at that point, I was like, hmm, okay. And that's when I started researching it on my own. Um, and I tell people this, like, I, um, in my senior year, when, when I swam, our, uh, our, like, our school district had its own pool, its own swimming pool. And it was an Olympic-graded pool kind of thing. It was a really nice pool. And um, we had, each high school had a head coach that reported to the pool coach, like, the guy that was in charge of the actual pool. And he was a really good dude. And I remember one one year, I, I think it was uh, towards the end of my senior year, he comes up to me and he's like, hey, I want to talk to you about something. And I was like, okay, I think you would do well at a um, at a sporting event called a pentathlon. And I was like, I have no idea what that is. And he went on to explain what it was. And San Antonio was headquarters to the uh, United States Pentathlon Association. So that's where they were headquartered. And uh, one day instead of practice, we went together to go in and check this place out. And that's where I actually met two active duty SEALs. They were assigned to that um, headquarters building, if you will, to participate in the modern pentathlon. They were training for it. And wow. uh, yeah, so it was really cool. And I walked into, a, you know, the old the old uh, buildings that had like, they were all cinder block, gray walls, oh, yeah. and, you know, they had <laughs> yeah. the gray desk. It was right. very, very neutral. Right. So I remember I walked into this office and their, their tables were like this and they yeah. looked at one another and I walked in and the coach introduced me, the head coach for the pentathlon introduced me and they just were there and they stood up and they were in their uniform and they just were like, yeah, thank God. Like, You're like, yeah, I was like, I want to be that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so, like, it was funny because um, after that, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I know where I want to, I know where I want to go. And I put all the pieces on the board to do that. And I went. Isn't it? And not to cut you off. No, no. But isn't that so cool? There's at some point happens in your life where, when you, you know, at that age, or sometimes later or sooner that. You have happened to that guy saw you and said, "Man, this kid's got something." Yeah. You were invited to to the to participate in this, and then you met these guys, and that one day probably changed everything for it, you. It, you know, it definitely solidified where where I wanted to go. Like that was like there there was a couple of options on the table, but that was it. And I remember as soon as um, you know, as soon as that was done, I went and I I competed at the nationals, junior nationals, and I did really well. And I came back from junior nationals. And I remember I'm sitting at the dinner table with my folks, and I have a younger sister, and I was sitting there with the family, and I just kind of announced to everybody at the dinner table, hey, um, next week I'm leaving for boot camp. Because I hadn't talked to my – I mean, when I joined the Navy, I was underage, so I had to go into the delayed entry program. Mm. So I didn't need my parents' permission to do that. And then once I finished with nationals, I, I have a summer birthday, so my birthday was a couple weeks ago. So when I turned 18 – I just signed the paper on my own, and boom, I was gone. Wow. So, like, yeah, it was kind of like as soon as I came back from nationals, because I, I, when I was training for nationals during the summer, it was a nine-to-five job. I mean, I went to a facility and trained every day from the morning till the evening. Then I'd come home, have dinner with my family, pass out, and get up and do the same thing again. And that was my training season. So it was nice in the sense that when I left for the Navy, I was probably in some of the best shape that I could right. have ever been in, yeah. you know, but um, my parents didn't see me at all during that summertime. And when I came back and like nationals was over and, you know, like, like there was a good week 
of just recuperating from it, and then one day at the dinner table, just like threw it out there. By the way, I'm gonna be gone for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that was. Were were they supportive? Were they? Oh, they were very. I mean, my mom. I feel so bad. I have. I have aged that woman. Something fierce. (laughs) Something fierce. She is a. She's an angel. There's no doubt about it. And my dad was. uh, My dad was really cool about it. I know it broke him up to see me leave. Like he told me, he's like, when you left, when the uh, recruiter came to pick you up in the morning, it was like, oh, dark thirty. And he walked me out the door. He was like, you know, you, you walked out, you said goodbye, you turned around, you walked away, and you never looked back. And that was the last I saw of you for a long time. Yep. Because once I joined the Navy, you know, it was boom, 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 boom. Yep. And, um, you know, my, uh, my parents, it was so funny, funny story, side story on this. Um, <laughs> an, an old girlfriend came over to my house. I was already in the Navy doing things. Came over to the house and knocked on the door. And she, my mom answered, she goes, Mrs. Gonzalez, um, do you know where Jeff is? And, he, you know, I, I would periodically tell my mom and dad where I was going, but most of the time it was just, you know, false information. Right. Um, so I told my mom that I was in California at a jump trip. Yeah, I'm going out to California. I'm going to be out there for about four weeks doing some jumping. And uh, she was like, oh, okay, we'll have a good time. It was actually, I was already pre-deployed down to Panama for the invasion. And we had our little, you know, we had our little skirmish if you will and so um it, it wasn't me but it was somebody that looked like me oh geez and um, and, uh, and like on the news on a paper exactly it was on the news it was on abc oh, news man. like nightline or whatever you know invasion of panama and yeah. they do all these clips and stuff and and uh, the girl thought she saw me um i never saw the clip so i don't know but i'm pretty sure that i avoided cameras like the plague back then yeah. And so um, you're too busy with that 60, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can run that pig pretty good. I, can, I, I am pretty happy about that. I've seen some cool footage from that. From that <laughs> yeah, and we so but we um, all of our all of our injured guys um, were taken down to Brooks Army Medical Center, which is there in San Antonio. And so when my parents found out that those were seals and that um they, you know, they were very supportive. So my mom goes down there with my dad, and they go into all the rooms where all the hurt team guys are. And uh, my mom is talking, and she's saying, "Oh, you know, we're so happy to see that you're doing okay. And, um, you know, my son is 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 uh, stationed with SEAL Team Four, and you know, we were just really worried." And, oh my and, and one of the guys was like, <laughs> "I was like, dude, you told me." <laughs> He's like, "Uh." Yeah, he's down there. I just uh, saw yeah, him. He, <laughs> yeah, he's kind of the one of the ones that put me on the bird. Uh, my mom freaked. <laughs> oh, dude, man, I can't imagine, dude. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, so, yeah, that, that didn't go. The next time I got him on the phone, because, you know, I would call him like every, you know, seven or ten days. The next time I got him on the phone, and I was just like under my breath, I was like, damn you, Deborah. Damn you, Deborah. Damn you, Deborah. <laughs> Oh, dude, that's that's freaking wild, man! What a what a wild story! It's, oh it's, yeah, it makes I mean, me laugh. Yeah, you, you gotta you gotta put yourself in their position. Oh too. God, to hear that? Like what? You know, and, and um, no, that's uh, your mom sounds wonderful, dude, and and just and being there to support you know your guys as well. And I know that was I was I was really proud. Like at first I was like, Mom, what are you doing going there? What are you doing? You know, but truthfully. I was I couldn't be more proud of the yeah. fact that both my parents went down there and you know they you know most of the guys that were there were banged up pretty good but they were they were on the mend yeah. and you know they would go and see them and bring them things that they thought they could use or whatnot and and I mean I couldn't I couldn't be happier about that 
that was pretty, uh, you know, and I, I, there was no prompting on my end because I didn't even know where I was. <laughs> I'm sure you got, uh, got an earful and when you made it home for Thanksgiving. Uh, I, that, you know, it's funny. Point. I, 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 I still, like my mom will ask me and it's just, it's a habit. I can't help it. Like I am so programmed to, in a sense, lie about my, uh, like my comings and goings on active duty. Yeah, it's part of your job. It, it was really just, hard. Just, just not giving them the, the information that they need. You yeah, know? Like, so I would come up with things, like I would tell them, I'm going to California. I'm going to be out of the area. I'm going to be in California. And I, you know, and we, my mom and I had this agreement. I, and I told her, I was like, ask me no questions and I'll tell you no lies. Right. And so eventually we kind of got past that. And we were just like, oh, you know, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. You know, I'm hanging in there. You know, uh, you know, whatever's going on. And I would I would share things, obviously. I just wouldn't share. Right. And that's what they – that is what's so neat about the professionalism of the, that community and the special operations community. And some of the agency communities and communities that guys are and gals are working in, that they are truly, um, you know, in a sense, kind of sacrificing uh, – a lot in life to to serve others and to serve the greater good and to, to protect the country and protect the nation and because um, nowadays it's kind of lost man especially kids growing up with stuff that it's you know they can get leaked out easily they can leak stuff out on phones or whatever and they just don't have that same that same mindset and 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 you know you get taught a lot of that while you're in yeah, yeah, yeah. you know because it is it's detrimental to the mission and and the guys and everything that you're doing and about. Um, but it's it's I love that with with that that community and those communities that, those guys that work in that type of community that and that's and that that even later on in life even in business or whatever else you know that dude's freaking solid man yeah. like it, you know what I mean it's just it, not it's even true. question you know I mean, so it's it's neat it's it's neat to hear that and and um, uh, you know a lot of guys that are thinking about joining they have that's something you need to think about you know and um, you and know. I'll tell you it's like. I mean, I know times are different. I'm not oblivious to that. But there's still a certain degree of professionalism that I believe is that should be kind of like part of the bedrock of, mm. you know, if you're going to go down this road, you need to recognize that, yeah, you're going to have to live in the shadows. You're going to have to, you know, shun the spotlight. You're going to have to do what you can to put the mission first. Yeah. And that means, you know, that... You know, somebody asked me what was a, what was a what was the most valuable trait that the my military time my time within naval special warfare taught me, and hands down, it was humility. I mean, it, that didn't it didn't didn't happen right away. I mean, it took some time. It took losing a bunch of guys and recognizing what's at stake and and realizing that you know it, it's like th this is a you know our mission to protect our future is is real. And so, like, that humility, part of that humility is, is also, you know, you carry that with you in your day-to-day -day activities. Not just when some, you know, it's like, you know, we've all heard that do the right thing when nobody's looking. Right. So that part of that humility means that that is who you are. That's your innate nature, that you're just a humble guy and you just kind of go about your business and do things. And I like that. I mean, I've, I've tried to, I will be honest, in this current day and age, it's terrible business practice <laughs> to yeah. have that kind of mentality. But... It is what it, in fact, you know, just, um, uh, you know, with with what happened to Pat and his account, his Instagram account being shut mm -hmm. down, you know, um, the thing that I was like commenting about, and I did a blog on that, was I, my nature is to 
try to be low key, try to just, and it's hard to do a job like this with no. that type of innate right. if you wanna, DNA. If you want to eat, you <laughs> if know, you want to be successful, it's yeah. hard to do that. And so we I talk came about that all the time. I came into the social media scene late because I, I remember in the, yeah. the you were very low key for a while because I maybe at the range you were still you were kind of dabbling yeah. in a little bit. I remember even Pat in the beginning. Yeah, you, a lot because a lot of guys get out, they leave that world. Now they're in a different world where they have to show them, so they have to talk it's, about stuff, and it's hard for them to make that transition. You know, it is it is ridiculously hard, and that's the thing that I was trying to illustrate in that blog was, you know, as an entrepreneur, as a small business owner, you know, you don't have the same tools that like a a, a Microsoft and Amazon have. Right, big you, marketing budget. You don't and, have that. No. You've got to you've got to be you creative you, <laughs> and imaginative about what you can use to your advantage, and that means like social media, leveraging social media, and yeah. understanding how social media works. And I did not want to do that. I yeah. I remember. I yeah, I that. remember for a long time you were. Well, not. it you know it took you know it it took a, a a while for me to finally come to my senses, I suppose, or just acknowledge that, all right, the ch times are changing and I need to change with them if I want to be relevant in this community. And that's, you know, so I'm playing a game of catch up, but my blog was talking about how, um, like guys like us in this community, we're somewhat kind of like social media. We're, we're like slaves to social media. You know, we have to try to play. We have to, if you want a seat at the table, you have to play the game. Right. And it sucks. But, you know, other people will be quick to say, well, you know, it's a private platform. They can do whatever they want. I'm like, I, yeah, I know. But, you know, that doesn't, you know, or you can go someplace else and do something else. You know, right. go go invest in some other whatever. I'm like, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, that's not how the game, you don't, you're, you know, it's nice. Hey, you're over there on the site. You're, you're sitting in the cheap seats. Stay there. Right, yeah. the guys that, that are in the arena. And if that's that's your what you want to do, and that's good for you, and that's great. They may have an Instagram account or something, that, but they don't put they watch stuff, mm -hmm. um, or they don't have any of it. And I'm like, in a way, dude, that's freaking awesome, man. Like that's, but I, for us, yeah, you have you have to, or I, you will, bills will not get paid. You know, trust so. me. If you want an <laughs> example of what not to do, just ask me. I will be I will be happy to explain to you what not to do in the social media world because I did it and I was like ah fuck that was a bad idea you know and I kind of like stuck to my guns even though I knew it was the wrong decision I stuck to my guns a little yeah. bit longer than I should have because I didn't want to openly admit that all right oh damn it this is the right thing to do yeah you know? <laughs> uh, it was it was it was a, a quite a bit of humble pie that I had to munch on for a while there and so you know we're trying to play a game of catch up but it's all good it's working I mean. It's taught me a lot of things, you know, just yeah. just looking at how the game is played, learning, you know, the field, understanding how, the rules, if you will, and then just doing the best you can to kind of play within the, the confines of those rules. And, you know, you can only do so much, you know, right. the, at the end of the day. And here's the other thing, like social media, what I what I tell people about social media, social media is just simply uh, an information exchange. That's all it is. Mm. It's just it shares information. What people do with that information is the call to action. Whether or not people listening to your message, your your information on social media actually takes that and comes to your store and buys a shirt, right. buys a pack of coffee, that's the social media conversion that we're looking for. Right. And so what we learn is that you have to have 
this big of a pile of people because you're only going to get this many that are going to actually convert. Right. You know, it's a small percentage. It's like 3.7% of people are going to actually yeah, convert. Yeah, which, which is good, 3%. I think the average <laughs> is 2.5 or something, you know. Yeah. So, dude, yeah. it is at the end of the day, it is it is about – and that's when I – like yours and certain guys, Pat's, it's the pages of dudes that are doing cool organic, just cool stuff yeah. that's, that's staying within the realm of what who and who they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then you're going to have valuable people that support you as well. And I say that all the time, like – I would rather have, you know, quality folks uh, around me or supporting me or following me, whatever, than a million dipshits that, <laughs> that are true. there to look at whatever, you know. Yeah. So, and I see, I had two people come in yesterday, a couple uh, that live here, and they stopped. Every day we get people come in and it always tells me, like, man, they we like what you guys stand for. We're not, yeah. And we have made mistakes too, man, because yeah, yeah. it's, it's tough in the industry. But... Uh, you know, you get that reassurance from the people that you meet who do follow you. Say, all right, cool. That's the kind of person I actually want to to follow me because we we relate on some levels. Um, so it's one of those things. I think you can have a quality social media, or you can have a you know one that's not uh, not so high rated in, in quality d due to the people that are following you. And what are, what are they there for? Right. What are they there for? You know, why do I go to your pictures? I want to learn. I want to see what I want to get motivated. I want to get inspired. I want to learn something. I want to, I don't just want to see how cool you are, how much you succeeded. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to hear about the times you fell and oh, stumbled because, so you know, that's where you truly grow, you know? Well, it, it's interesting because you hit it right on the head. People come to your social media because they want to learn about you. Right? They want to learn about who you are and what you stand for. And, and then, then how will that affect ex them? Exactly. But what I see that just bothers the shit out of me is when people are fake on and, and I'm not saying that every everything is always roses on my end because you've seen like right. there's plenty of times you have to have oh you yeah have to dress things up a little bit you do. Man, and but I, you know I like to try to I share I try to share the failures and the frustrations that I go through whatever they are just because they're real like everybody's always posting their PRs like ah oh, just get you know just pull right. this crazy snatch look at this right on right. right well they don't show the 13 failed attempts to get to that one right. PR you know so and that's what people really want to see that's, that's what I want to see I, I'm know? the same way it's like because that to me is like okay so you failed and you failed and you failed. And you didn't you give failed. up. Exactly. Yeah. And then you kept working it, and then you finally pulled it off. Like, that to me is value. And so yep. social media is a way for people to learn who you are. And if you're not willing to share who you are, if you're willing to try to – like, I think the mistake that people make is when they try to be something that they're not. Or they right. try to be something that they think their audience wants to see. Right, say. right. That's where I think you get into trouble. Like, yep. if you just kind of stay in your lane yep. and you stay, you know – it, again, one of the biggest uh, traits about being a genuine person is being comfortable in your own skin. Yep. And that, you know, that didn't happen easy for me. That took a while, yep. you know, but now I feel pretty good about who I am and I can yep. share that and be okay with it. And like, uh, okay, yeah, who yeah. cares? And you will get, you'll get those ones like, oh, yeah. this, that, or other, and, and talk shit or whatever. Yeah. And it's oh, like, yeah. well, that's going to happen, man. That's in any, any realm, any, anything that you do. Now, you know, I just like, but the, most part, most people are really cool, man. I, I find that on Instagram, for instance, really cool people that positive. And you know, I get messages. You probably get messages. 
man, I didn't want, I didn't feel like going to the range there, going to, but you just, you know, got me, got me going today. I got home from work. I, I saw you work today. I'm going to go out and hit it too. So, and it's I'll do so the true. same thing. Like, I'm like, man, I'm just not in today. <laughs> I might go look, Hey, what's Jeff doing? What's Pat doing? What's, what's going on over here with this guy? And I'm like, dude, I got to get my ass out there. I'll man. tell you, it's so true. I mean, like I, um, pro- probably like every time I have, um, like a maybe a second thoughts or doubts about social media, I'll get a message. Right. That's a genuine kind of like, like this person really was being truthful with me about, you know, um, I was really, you know, I didn't think I could do this or I felt like I wasn't good enough to go out and do that or whatever. And they saw something, read something and have completely changed their point of view. Mm-hmm. And that to me like when I hear that, I'm like, okay, all of the shit that I have to put up with yep. is is like wiped away, and I get to start with a clean slate again with with a message or like a comment like that. That to yep. me means the world. And so, in the end, I think you're right that one of the things that we're trying to do is convey to everybody, um, you know, like a like we're human, we're making mistakes, but we're owning up to them, and we're going to keep pushing forward. And so hopefully that inspires other people to do the same thing. Because, I mean, you know, there's there's people out there that are on the cusp of greatness. Oh, and they just, yeah, yeah, they just need that little bit of a push, sometimes a shove. It's maybe like even that, a snack. that picture of the guy in the mine or whatever, and he's chipping away and he's gone through that, that mine for, you know, 40 feet. And, you know, behind that piece of last chunk, there's the gold. But... <laughs> He turned away and walked away. He gave up. He yeah. was right there. You know, it's but at some point I think you also have to know when it is time to quit something. It's like, dude, this just this doesn't work. This isn't for me. This isn't and I put a lot of time, money, effort into this. You know, where's the return? Mm-hmm. There's gotta be a return at some point. Um, so it's knowing when that and that's being that's holding yourself accountable, being Ooh, realistic yeah. and um, taking a uh, accountability, um, an inventory of yourself to say you know what, man? I gave it my best. I'm gonna and pride too. And guys like us don't fucking quit. We don't yeah. want. We don't want to fail. We don't. It's gonna happen, but we don't. We're gonna do everything in our power not to. Yeah. And so sometimes it is hard saying, man, this. I got to be realistic about this and um and say, you know what? This this isn't bringing the value that I I hoped for. Yeah. Maybe re, maybe shift that somewhere else. And it's the same in business. I would say you have capital. I got this much capital. Yeah. Where am I going to invest it? Where is going to be my return? Is it in marketing? Is it hiring new people? Is it buying inventory? Is it putting up a new back-end platform? Is it building a new website? So you have to make those decisions, so you know, in life in general with same with fitness training. All right. I'm going to go out and uh, you know, Whatever, dead, just deadlift or just do whatever. You might get you good at that, but overall, but maybe that's your goal. Maybe yeah. you want to. So it's it's also on the individual what what value that's bringing them at the end of the day, where they're investing their time one and efforts. The, one of the things that I have um, that I try to encourage my my kids to consider is like what what do you want? Like what is it that you want? If you can't pinpoint, like at the tip of a tack what you want, like if you can't be that precise about what you want, you're never going to be able to figure out how to get there yeah. to be able to achieve that. And so I tell people like there's a difference between um, a goal and a fantasy, right? A fantasy, you never really had any intention of getting. Or a hobby. You know, yeah, or like, a hobby could know. be that too. A, a goal, but a hobby's okay. Hobby's okay. Yeah, a hobby's okay. A but fan- the ones that are like, we'll say, I'll, I'll see it in here. I talked to a guy last night, a guy I work with. Uh, some on some holsters with and he's on that same boat and I was like 
if you want to do something like and you're passionate about it and you really yeah. want to do it you have to put you got to put a lot into it. it can't just be oh, i'm gonna uh, be yeah. a hobby like is you're you're running a business bro or are you running a hobby <laughs> that's you a good point I mean? yeah so absolutely and, and sometimes it's hard because they have to they have to have their they have their full-time job it's a guaranteed thing i see i hear this all the time i've talked to us young entrepreneurs that are starting um and i did it myself you have a good thing going, you know, you're not really happy about your job, but you're making good money, paying your sure. bills, you got your you know, mortgage covered, your dental and all that stuff's great. That security, sense of security's there. But you have something else that you really want to do. So yeah. you start a business, whatever that may be. Um, you have to really want to do that to say, instead of just saying, oh, I'm just doing it on the side, to walk away from something that's good and guaranteed and secure to something that is kind of a hobby, you know? Well, and, and like when you have the ability to be like surgically precise with your goal, what it is that you're wanting to achieve, you'll see the path. And then through that vision, you'll be able to determine if that path is good for you. Yep. You know, you, in other words, okay, like you were saying, the difference between a hobby and a profession is that the hobby is a volunteer state. It's an elective state. Right. Whereas the profession you're all in. You're all in. There's the, the ships have been burned. That's bro. right. No going you back. Know, it's so funny because I, I, I love that. Um, I love that phrase because when I left the Navy, the, at the time I knew about two or three guys that had left the Navy, um, and then, like within about six to maybe, I think the longest was 18 months, they came back, and it's not like I had lost respect for them, but I always remembered that. And, and like, okay, they, w they went out into the real world and they didn't like it. Yep. And they came back into the Navy. Yep. So, like, when I left the Navy, I pretty much, I burned the boats. You and knew like, that 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 part of your life was over and you wanted to start a new chapter. Well, well I had, I had to be, like, if I wasn't committed to striking out on my own, then right. I would always have as a safety <clears throat> net the Navy to come back to and they would they would take me in there without without question. So right. like I remember my uh, my CEO of my last command, great dude. Um, it, like when I had to go and check out with him, it was probably the him and the master chief. Those were the two hardest conversations that I had to have because those guys were like bringing it. I mean, full bore. They were not holding anything back. Okay. And in the end, I just you know I was like. No, you know, they're like, you need to do this. You need to stay in the reserves. You need to do this. You need to come back. You need to do this. And I'm like, I can't. If if I do that, then I'm not committed to being successful right. outside of the military. And that was, like, at the time, dude, I dug my heels in. I'm like, uh-uh, I am not doing, there will be nothing. I'm cutting everything <clears throat> away. It'll be completely sterile. Yep. And, and I think that's where... That part that we talked about earlier that's been inside you probably since you were young is that that part where you are going down your own like this. Yeah, that what you guys are saying makes absolute sense. Yeah. Oh, it was a little and right does, thing to do, <laughs> you know. Right. But there's something inside me that's telling me that and you have to follow that because then you're always so be true. like, you know, what? I, I, I yeah, I went back in, but I man, I, I really wanted to do that. It's always going to be at the back of your head and, and always eating oh, at oh, you. It, you know? it was it was I, I will be honest. I had a young family. And especially with that, you it know, was it's probably a big responsibility. My, uh, my, like, 
there were a couple of days, couple of weeks, maybe even a couple of months, and I'm sitting there second guessing myself, mm. like, oh shit, did I just make, you know, because I've got um, a wife and a newborn baby, and we, you know, we had a rough go in the yeah. beginning, so like, in the end, I stuck to my guns and I made it work, and you know, yeah. I. I I look back on those early years and I'm grateful for the experience because it really taught me a lot. I mean, yeah. um, well, even as a, as a professional in a professional sense from, you know, coming from whatever years you do, your, your community, <clears throat> I know for me, my last job, um, I wasn't performing. I wasn't, I was not being the professional I needed to be for that job at that point because I had been, more in focusing now more on my business and mm. so my mind was not where it needed to be mm. i could have milked it out i could have milked them both out for a long time but i i didn't feel i was doing my job um to the best of my ability because i had this other thing that was pulling at me and that that's when i knew it was like dude i as a professional um when lives are at stake when your sure. responsibility is other people dude. and their children and these things but um I'm not fully there, man. I'm not there. I'm there. Yeah, I can, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna react, whatever. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But not fully committed now. I'm, I'm, I'm torn to do this other thing. So at that point, I knew I was like, I have to leave, you know. Yeah. And I went and did my, dude, did Rogue and and went same thing full. Cause now I'm like, dude, shit. He, I walked away from you know six figure job. Yeah, yeah. That that those jobs you don't get. They're yeah. Very. And once you're done, dude, you're once done. You're out, you're out, bro. Yeah. Like, there's somebody else waiting to get in. It's yeah, like and they, I get it's, it. Yeah, it's political too. Like, ah, oh, remember you left. You know, it's yeah. Like a, it's oh like a yeah, mafia, dude. dude. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, man. I run into that all the time. It's so funny too because, like, that type of mentality though, is is an important personal, like, trait to understand. Like knowing knowing what you are fully capable of. Like that right. takes that takes a lot of internal strength to pull and say, yeah. I need, and I had the same kind of thing. Like I remember when it, when, um, when I was doing a lot of work overseas, I came back. Like no, actually, I was still downrange, and I was talking with one of the other uh, frogs that was there, and like I was doing the same thing. I was just, I was going through the motions, yep. and um, we were out doing some stuff, and we got into, you know, we ran into some, some issues. And I remember when we came back, we were debriefing. I was like jumping this one guy's shit. I'm like, what, you know, what, what is your problem? And the guy was like, well, I don't think I could have taken that shot. I'm like, it's not a matter of thinking. It's like you, you, you need to take that shot because everybody else is relying on you to take that shot. Yeah. And it was at that moment that I realized that I am looking behind me more than I'm looking in front of me. Like my, the guys that I'm working with, I was like, and at that point I realized that I can't, I can't, it's not the same. You know, I'm not working with my guys that I have an intimate level of trust with, that I don't have to second guess what are they doing. You know, are they covering down in their sectors? Are they doing what they should be doing? Yep. And once I had that kind of like, like we came back, we got that done with that debrief, and I remember I walked outside, and um, he was a, another uh, old old master chief, great guy, and I remember he came up to me and was like, what's, you know, I was pissed. I was really pissed at that. And I, I left the, the, the hooch and I was outside and he came out to talk to me and he's like, yeah, man, I heard what, you know, what, and I, and I talked to him about it. And he was the one who says, Hey man, when you're looking behind you, when more than you're looking in front of you, it's time to really rethink your priorities. And I'm like, 
duly noted. It's a wise guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. stuck in your head. Yeah, dude. it did. It really did. And yeah. I'm like, I was like, that, that, that. And so that was it. Like after I came back from that like deployment, I was like, no, nah, I just, uh, and it's not that I wasn't in it. I just didn't trust the other people that were in it with me. Yeah. Like I, like in the early days, oh dude, those were fucking some serious trigger pullers. Those guys were all legit. And, and, and as, as the, um, contracting world exploded it was difficult to maintain a certain level of quality yeah. quality yeah. exactly and so yeah. it, and i don't blame anybody right. because they that's gotta just, fill they roles. have they a gotta, job to do as well they yeah. gotta put body you know you know asses and seats wherever yeah. they are and so i don't blame them but like i didn't have to be there yeah like i what i didn't sign a contract like i did with the navy that said i had to be there and put up with that shit i'm like mm -mm, I, I think i'm done yeah, and, that's you know. that same same thing, dude. I, I, <laughs> the early years, like you know, oh, 2003, 2004, 2005, great dudes. And the vetting process was, um, talking about contracting, was was much more stringent. It was, uh, yeah. If you didn't, the first thing we did went out was qual. If you cannot qual, dude. With their, like you, that was the first thing they just they didn't ask you. You went out there and shot, and if yeah. you, you're gone. Boom, boom, I, boom. I remember when we we uh, like when we went out there, we had a we had a good crew, a good crew. And the client came down and ran us through their qual, and there were only three of us. They're like, yep. "You three guys, pack your bags. You guys are getting thrown in right now, yep. and everybody else is going to have to remediate." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, and uh, I remember when the the head honcho comes over to me, and he's like, "Hey, man, dude, we because it wasn't the client that told us that. It was the head honcho. He comes over, he's like, uh, "You guys are going. You're in charge." And I was like, "Where's ever? What about all these other? What? What? Yeah. What, what if just three of us? What's What's going on?" <laughs> and he's like, "We got to put you guys in right now. You know, that's kind of yeah. what the situation is." And I was like, "All right." But I knew that at least the guys that I was with were good guys. That you know? that makes that that's the difference right yeah. there. It's it's being in those scenarios where because there are times when it is gonna be three or four guys. Yeah, yeah, dude. You know, I, <laughs> I remember our time. I was I was working out, man, in the hooch, and, and uh, the uh, the talk called and said. Hey man, there's a there's a plane that went down in Istalif, just it's just northeast of uh, Bagram, and uh, I need you to stand up some guys and you're gonna go up there with an FAA yeah. guy to go try to find this thing. Right now, you go to the airport. You're gonna load up with the ministry. It was Ministry <laughs> of Defense with oh, the yeah. Afghan Ministry of Defense. So I'm literally in the gym, man, and I grab my shit, grab the radio, and I'm like, dude, who am I gonna take? Because <laughs> I can only take three guys to get on the bird. Yeah, the yeah. Ministry had their guys. And uh, I grabbed, uh, you know, who was it, Jag, um, Anvil, my radio guy, and uh, Hippie. I grabbed three of the, I'm like, these are the dudes, because we don't, we didn't have a grid, nothing, bro. They just, <laughs> we were going to fly around and look, look for, for smoke, sm bro. Look for smoking rats. <laughs> we did, so we get up there, and, and uh, we're all looking at each other. I have a great picture. Everybody's all the day, they're like, fuck, and it's Afghans in this, uh, the, it was a Russian helicopter. Uh, oh, I love those things. Yeah, whatever. the Heinz. Oh, yeah, the baby. Heinz, yeah, it was like, and the FAA director's like, yeah, this thing's definitely leaking gas what do you and think? shit. Yeah, I'm like, fuck, dude. <laughs> so we're like, we're flying around, and um, yep, there's the smoke. All right, cool. And no, no vehicles on the ground because it was literally, literally. A, like a 10 minute stand up, dude. We grabbed our shit, went up there, and um, um no vehicle, so we started having to hump to yeah, the crash yeah. site. Yeah, yeah. We see Afghans walking down the paths with wires and shit. Oh, on dude, the plane, man, bro. So we're like, all right, we know where it is now. Yeah. Now we're going up there. <laughs> and I, I told Anvil, I was like, hey, you know, do, do a comp check. And um, he didn't have his fill for his kit. He oh, didn't, he didn't um, have his crypto up to date. Yeah, because oh. it was so, it wasn't even his fault, dude, because, and this goes into another story, when that's kind of why I, I got out of the two, because that shouldn't have happened, and it was not on them. 
Um, so I get my old, remember the Roshan phones? Oh, the yeah. cell phones? And I'm like, fuck. I get on there, and I call uh, the talk, <laughs> and they Call the quarterdeck. <laughs> I'm like, bro, send a team up right now, drive because it's a two-hour drive. I was like, we're not getting back on that, that fucking airplane. Um, due to the FAA guys, like, dude, we, we should not even have been on that. And I'm like, first of all, we're not even a crash site. I want to make sure I got... So they're like, roger that. We shot him a grid, and, the, and they, they started shooting up. So we get up to this site, and um, it's it's it crashed, dude. And um, uh, we're looking around, and we're trying to find the black box. So they uh, yeah. wanted the information. So, uh, and it, it was a Russian it was a Russian plane. It was a Russian cargo plane, so it wasn't American. So, oh, nice. And I didn't know. They didn't tell. A lot of times they don't tell you the yeah, price. Yeah, yeah. It's like, just go there and get that, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. So we're looking around, and of course, Hajis are everywhere. Oh, dude. Because yeah, you know how they come out? There's nobody, and all of a sudden, they're just coming out from it's under like rocks. And it's they're like, like ants. It's like Star Wars, man. Yeah, do like ants. <laughs> yeah. It's like you step on a like a like, fire ant mound, and it's like... Yeah, <laughs> so they're swarming the area, and um, did we even have a terp? I don't even think we had an interpreter with us at that that site. Um, fuck, can't remember. If we, I mean, we, we should have had a terp with us. I can't remember. Anyway, so we're up there, and we would always carry cash on us. Our oh, yeah. like You always had to have 500 bucks, and yeah. you had to pay somebody off, whatever. And um, we, we're scouring, and it's starting to get dark now. Now, now it's I'm like, we're fucking still if we don't have vehicles. That, that helicopter's way down there, and it's leaking. And there's Afghans everywhere, and there were no, no hostiles. Oh, you know, yeah. But you, Most, there you don't know what the hell. Most of them. It's, when you're on the frontier, <laughs> it's weird. I've gone to places there where it's like, even Taliban, you, you could be faced if you look right. We'd go and you eyeball that motherfucker. You let him know, like, dude, I'm not playing and he's not playing. Yeah. You let him, and a lot of times they would respect that. Yeah, yeah. You're like, all right, I know who you are. Yeah, I know yeah. what you guys are. We're watching you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't do anything to you right now because you haven't done shit. Yeah, but yeah. I know you got the black term and the black yeah. beard. You got that hate in your eyes. Yeah, oh, yeah. Bring it, motherfucker. You know, like, <laughs> so you'd have to bring that. That that it's so sort true, of, uh, dude. I had. Oh my god, it's so funny that you talk about that because, um, first. Those helicopters, I had to do more rides in those things than I probably care about. <laughs> and I, the first time I got like a call, like a, a, a buddy of mine, he comes into the hooch. He's like, hey, man, I need, a, I, need a, I need somebody to run shotgun with me. I'm like, all right. He's like, but I need you to grab, you know, you need a belt fit. So I grabbed a saw and we, we jocked up and we, we went out. And, and I remember when I'm walking out on the tarmac, he, you know, again, very, very low key kind of thing. I get out there and I realize, oh, shit. Okay. All right. And uh, we were going out in the frontier to do a link up with some of the some of the locals out there and you know there's a lot of shit in the bird that's the important stuff and i remember like we we get up we get airborne and it's it's uh it's a contract bird so it's flown by american pilots and um we get up and you know you're already that you know you're in what people don't understand like afghanistan is that like a most of the places we had to go to were at elevation, yeah. and any helicopter struggles at elevation. Oh, yeah. the, the air is just too thin for the thin, for the yeah. blades to bite into. So this bird is just like the Struggling. pitch, <laughs> the pitch of that, the, the whine of the yeah. is like mm, it's such a this loud whine. I mean, it was so bad. And I remember I'm sitting there on the on the ramp with the saw, and uh, we're kind of cruising, and you know, all of a sudden, you know, I'm on I'm on comms, and uh, you know, they switch. You know, I'm, we're on our comms, our back comms, and the pilots come over and they say, hey, uh, uh, we we we're gonna have to uh, kind of like make a small detour. And uh, we were like, okay. And what they had to do was they had to actually turn and go downhill to gain momentum. They had to gain some speed. <laughs> they had to gain speed so they can gain actual yeah. elevation. And they were doing this like loop-de-loop -loop <laughs> thing. But what happened was the reason why they needed speed was because they were leaking. 
yep. faster than they could actually. Um, so they needed velocity. They needed they needed speed to to kind of keep the bird aloft, basically. <laughs> And they're like, they're like perfectly calm. Dude, like, oh, we do dude. this all the time. It'll be all right. So like, as, I, as I look at, like, and I look over to my guy and he's on the door and, um, and then he's right on the other side from where this like, um, oil reservoir with a hand pump is. And so like the pilots and like, they all, they all, like there's one dude on the stick. Everybody else is back there because to work this fucking pump yeah. is like a legitimate workout. So they have to dump cans of oil into this thing and they have to get uh, it into... One guy's pumping, one guy's dumping yeah. oil. Yeah, and they have to switch because you can only yeah. do it, it's like under hydraulics, so like it's hard after a while, you get smoked. It's like cavemen and Dude, a, it, it, was so, it was so sketchy. I'm looking at that and they're just absolutely cool. Totally They're cool, totally cool yeah. with this. Like that's the stuff about that place that people don't realize how wild West Texas is. It's so fucking wild. You know, it's not, not even, even on the Haji side, but <sighs> the dudes at the what we did we had out there, to, dude. I'm telling you, to make like, things happen. Oh, I would have know? been UCMJ like 13 times. Dude. I mean, just the shit that I had to do to get done. Oh my god, it was so fun. I mean. But it was fun because it is the way it, it, it was. like the damn the, Wild West. The early you know? parts of it were so Wild West. Like I tell this story. This is a funny story. I tell this story because. Everybody will appreciate it. Like, um, we worked in an area where we had we shared like avenues, and we had responsibilities, and we had these things choked down, so nobody can come in. It was like very restricted. And I remember uh, there was this one dude who would just blow through the checkpoints because he was a local. He he was educated in the states. His father was yeah, a you yeah. know his father was a dude in like a lot the, of those it, guys left in the seventies yeah, when the Russians came. They yeah, had money they came to the states. Exactly. And, and so and his 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 old man was like uh like somebody in the mod i can't remember what he was I mean, he i don't remember i can't it's so long ago and so he would just like throw that around and people were afraid because back yeah. then i mean you just fucking get shot you yeah. know oh yeah so um one day he rolled through the You're check not doing point. that at american checkpoint though no, no. <laughs> not, well, not at that, that time that, yeah we we didn't like we couldn't be outside of the wire so we had to rely on the locals yeah. to do the checkpoints outside oh, right. yeah, yeah you know so in our facility was that, that was, ariana it was close to it, yeah. yeah. So when we got, like, this dude blew through one checkpoint and ran into one of our guards. Like, the guard was trying to stop him, and the driver just kind of, like, hit him. and you Get know, out of my way. Yeah, yeah kind of thing. I mean, he That's what they do there. You yeah, run they, they will run. The, yeah, <laughs> so I found out about that, and I was fucking pissed, dude. I was seeing red. Because they're still your guys, man. You I, know, that's what I tell uh, people. Like, those dudes are protecting my ass. Yeah. Like, I will I will fucking, that's I will how, stir some shit up. They had the Gurkhas that for, oh, and they were dude. fucking hardcore. Dude, dude. I They'd love have those their guys. They would, like, not fuck around, dude. Dude, if they broke that Kirkery <laughs> out, stand the fuck yeah, by. Some yeah. shit was going to get sideways. And so, I'm people like, oh, you guys got, uh, they're not Americans. I'm like, dude, I'd rather have these. Dude, I'm telling here. you, when I got on the ground, that's the first thing I look for. Where are my where are my pipe hitters that I can go yep. to? Like, where's the I, – I look for the Australian. The, where are the Australians? Where are the Aussies at? Because they're always looking to scrap. Yeah, Aussies the, are good. The, the, you know, my – our own <laughs> – The French like, don't really go out anywhere. <laughs> no. So this is what was so funny. Like, um, Canadians were good in the early They were. Too, they yeah, were, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, and, of course, the Brits are always Dude, the Brits are always looking to scrap. That's oh, yeah. true. They, they were always <laughs> looking for it. Like, hey, they are total hooligans. They're like, hey, mates, you need, a, you need our call sign so we can come help you anytime? <laughs> no, just call us anytime. So uh, when, when this guy came rolling back, I told the dudes, I'm like, I don't, I don't care. Call me on the radio. And I was in PT gear. Like, um, like I got the radio call. And I'm like, I grab my shit. And my um That's when it happens during PT gear. Oh dude, it always <laughs> happens in PT gear. Like that, I was having a good workout too. Yeah. So uh I actually and I think I was just getting done with the workout, so I'm back in my hooch and I still have like my PT gear on and I throw my jeans on and I have my I, I threw my pistol on 
and I hear the radio call, and I'm fucking pissed. I'm just seeing red, and my um, my uh, you know my the dude that was in charge sees me, and he's he knows that look. He's like, what's going on? I'm like, you know, I tell him briefly. He's like, all right, I'll 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 jock up and go with you. And I'm like, we got to go now because he's gonna, you know, he's entered already, and if we don't cut him off, he's gone. You know, we had to run to the other checkpoint. Because we knew he had to move through that. Yeah, yeah. And when we got there, dude, I fucking, like, I stopped his ass. And he knew, the, his driver knew better than to run over an American. Because like, oh, I, yeah, yeah, I would have yeah, shot yeah. his ass <laughs> right then and there. And I fucking was pissed. And the guy starts to mouth off to me. And all I remember is I, I literally pulled the guy out from the window, grabbed him by the scruff of his neck, and yep. dragged him out of the window, had him on the hood, and was fucking beating the shit out of him. Yep. And... And my guy was like looking around, and like the crowd starts to form because right. we, we, they got out of the checkpoint, but yeah. I stopped them Still before they. Get to yeah. Them. yeah, so we're not safe. Right, you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, right. you're not, away from that area. And our guys were like, you know, my guy was going, dude, let him go. We got to get out of here. Let him yeah. go because the mob is forming. The mob will form, dude. and next thing you know, you get ripped out. Dude, oh man, like, dude. <laughs> so like, I finally kind of come up for air. And I look around, and I'm like, like, oh, shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, shit. And then out of fucking nowhere, this uh, this metal gate opens up, and these dudes just come rolling out. Yeah. And they got their little submachine guns, and they just start fucking cracking skulls, and yeah. they form a perimeter around us. And the head guy comes up to me, and he's he's speaking to me in broken English. And he's like, we've got you, mate. Or, no, he was actually Italian. It was the Italians. Oh, the Italian. Yeah, they were the Italians were too. too yeah. fucking, they yeah, were like, man. they saw it all happen on their camera. Because like, the were, Italian embassy was close yeah, to there. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. they were watching all this shit unfold right there on their camera, and they were eating <laughs> They were eating dinner. Of course, they're having pasta and wine. Dude, you know? the guy literally had a wife beater shirt <laughs> yeah. with the fucking pasta stain yeah, on fuck him. Yeah, man. And he just like he's like, man, our, our guys came and told us what was happening. We we you know we thought we could we thought you guys could yeah. use a hand, and they did. They pushed that. They pushed him back, and you know I I kind of like. Don't ever do that again. And that's what's scary about even that city in Kabul or in some of those cities where you you we would go out one guy, two guys, yeah, and we had a bus, dude. We called it the Bang bus. It was like a fucking <laughs> bus, dude. Like that one of those white hockey buses. Yeah. And we bought a taxi too. We had a taxi oh, nice. as a kind of a cover car. But We'd roll around in those with just like two dudes, man, go down to the fucking chicken street and buy shit and dude, then, you know, it, roll around and and I was, you know, it get, it, things can change quick if you get an altercation there with the local. Next thing you know, you got 200 of them because, they, like I said, we had early ants. They come out, and then you could get, uh, get we, yourself in some trouble. So. We had, like, every time we had a rotation change, you know, you'd have to do your turnover, and, you know, we'd go run routes, and I would show the guys. I'm like, hey, listen, man, if anything goes bad in this neighborhood, you need to your collect your do, shit uh, and get out. Yep. Don't loiter. Yeah, learn don't how to hijack a, uh, we always say, you know how to hijack a fucking jingle truck. You got to get out of somewhere there. Remember <laughs> the jingle, jingle trucks there? Awesome. I yeah, love those I like, things, man. I was like, I want to hijack one of them just to do it. Just dude, to drive one. <laughs> well, I mean, you want to talk about inconspicuous? Dude, you can roll anywhere uh, in a jingle, jingle truck. Yeah, yeah, man, dude, are you kidding? Yeah, oh, man. I just, so awesome. it was, it was hilarious. And I would, I would have guys and, and I'd have to try to get it across. them. I'm like, dude, man, you, you, I mean, it's just a numbers game. They will. They have more than than you. Yeah. We, you know, we had the same kind of protocol. Like we would roll really small because we didn't want a big footprint. Yep. And our our philosophy was, you know, we would get in and get out before things would get bad. And you know, we had some QRF, but nothing that we really felt like Uber could really provide. Yeah, I mean, like yeah. we knew that the guys would come, but it's whether or not they would get there in time. And not only that, the politics. Well, this later on in life, or later on in in that in that world. Um, 
there was a certain point where you had to get certain permission to go yeah. to certain places. And uh, we had a team. They got hit. It was an ID. They got ID. And um, we were the team to go up there and get them. Yeah. And I had, had an, some army guys. I had to lead the army to get there. We had a convoy, and it was up in uh, uh, Wardak. And um, we're standing by, and they're like, all the guys are ready. They're yeah. fucking pumped. Yeah. They're yeah. pissed. Let's go. It's brought, yeah. uh, our sister team, Broadsword 2, we're like, let's go. And uh, stand down. We're getting more information from the uppers. And yeah. finally we said, Fuck this, and we wrote, we rolled yeah. out there, man. And I was Dude. like, you know what? If I get in trouble, or we get, in tr- so be it. I'm not leaving the, the dudes out there. And and um, you know, we went up, got them, and brought them back. So, um, and I would, I would live with that, you know, just, yeah. the, you know, the well, the thing about it is like, you know, when you're out there, like, like we talked about earlier, it is the wild west. Yeah. You know, you, there's a certain code that you. Like I tell guys, like when they're when they're talking to me, he's like, I'm thinking about getting into contracting. I'm like, well, you know, okay. First, if you have a good job, don't do it. Yeah. Like if you're still active duty in the Navy, fuck, or Army yeah. or whatever, don't give that shit up yeah. for that. If you're home and you're kind of in between things, there's and, that's a different story. You know, you know? I mean, because back in the day, you were making some pretty the good money. The money was good. It was a yeah. thousand yeah. dollars a day and a bonus every three months. It was like for dudes that were coming from no money from yeah, being dude, in that was five hard or whatever. To turn like, down. I was like, shit. It's hard know? to turn so down. It, it was, you know, but later on, like you said, it got it, it, it started. The it, money it got, went down and then and the quality went quality down. went down. Everything went down. And then the politics. Ever since that Blackwater team had that incident, yeah, um, that changed. After that, it all changed. It was tough you know i don't blame those guys because in in a similar situation it's a mexican standoff what that's what people yeah, don't man, understand man. Don't, and it's like if like it, it if if they hadn't have fired the first rounds to initiate contact and get on the aggressive side right early mm-hmm. on they would have been they smoked. Would have lost dudes they would exactly way. they would have smoked them yeah. there's no question about it. and that's what people don't understand like I, I i take i take a step back from shit like that and i'm like mm-mm no, nope. I'm not going to second guess people out there. You know, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm too when it comes to, for the oh, most yeah. part, it's a, they'll say, you know, always listen to the guy. The guy on the ground who's I listen to, if I, if I trust him, I put them there for a reason, I'm going to listen to them over a dude that's not even there. Man. Yeah, He's making decisions. back in D.C. or yeah, some shit like that. Yeah, it, it doesn't even make sense. So it's, uh, it's one of those things you just got to go with, like, your with what you need to do, you know. And I, that comes down to your own morals and what you've well, that's been the thing. brought up to do, you know, you, it's part of your, co- it's your code. Too, that's man, the thing. You know? Exactly. So. It's like when, when I went down there, I kind of like revisited that, that code of conduct. And, um, like I put like a line in the sand for myself. Like, this is it. I'm not going to cross this line. I don't care what it is. You know, uh, this is not a, this is not a career for me. Right. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to jeopardize myself, my future or my family for that. I'm, you know, I, this is that, that line that I'm not going to cross. And I tell guys, you need to make sure that you have, that you understand what you're willing to do. Yep. How far are you willing to go? Because and you will, unlike the military is good, but if something happens, dude, you, they'll leave your ass out. To I tell I mean, you, you right now, shit, like, man, dude, you, you have to like, you're truly on your own, man. It's funny. I tell guys, I'm like, okay, here's how this is going to go down. You need to ask the guys, you know, because like I, you're in brief, it's like okay, well, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Roger that, understood. But when I do shoot somebody in the face, how are you going to get me out of the country? Well, don't do that. But when I do shoot somebody in the face, how are you going to get me out of there? Well, you shouldn't do that. But yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like you know, I'm I'm you're putting me in a fucking meat grinder, and you expect me not to. You know, I'm like, what's the point? You have to it? back me up here, man. You know, it's or like, like you said, the QRFs, like you go to. 
areas and you don't and something goes down dude you don't have anybody coming man this is not <laughs> you're really your own. <laughs> you're on your own so when you realize, where are we going what has when's the last time americans been there yeah we're going up into the panjir valley like <laughs> what that's where the russians got fucking decimated dude there's stuff still all over it's a very prideful dude, place when you there's see, one way in and one way out when you see like that's the other thing <laughs> like, that's the where? other when you okay. when you start to see remnants of the russian occupation and you see the burnt eerie, out. Though? Oh, dude. It's so eerie. And they're just everywhere. The BMPs and ah. the in the rivers are upside down because the the mujahideen would hide up in the valleys and just they would come dude. mechanized units, you know, hundreds of BMPs and tanks and uh, helicopters. They just drop them out of the sky, drop them off the roads. Yeah. And they're scattered everywhere, all over that. It's place. scary when you actually see that, and you're like, damn. It is because like at one time there was a. 20 year old kid in that thing and a, yeah and all these other guys dude and they got smoked they got smoked man. i mean that was like required reading the bear came over the mountain yeah oh because yeah you yeah. Get, you you and charlie wilson's wars another great i never one. i don't think i read that one you would love that i, one. I probably will S- check it out. similar stuff the, the russian occupation how the americans were involved in but Perry. it's like it's it's impressive to see what a disorganized disheveled like un underarmed undermanned right force can do against do a legitimate fucking stru- superpower a fucking superpower yeah right exactly um and that was also the mistake on the russians to say you know we're going to go in there and just fucking destroy everything and that didn't happen they did kill a lot dude and, it was a massacre in a yeah, lot of places they, and it still continues like their policy was not just to kill somebody but you um <laughs> you injure them you know mostly minds and stuff to lose a limb because the idea, which is actually very smart, if that dude's injured, it's going to take one more dude to help that dude it's out. true. You know, instead of just killing him, so he'd become a burden on their 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 it's, society. It's true. So they drop little dolls out of their oh planes. Oh my god! And the kids would go get them out. Of the, they're still out there. Dude, the, the, when oh my god! Like when we first got on the ground, like the I remember the the guy that don't you, step over there, bro. Exactly. <laughs> don't step off the tarmac. Yeah. Why? Oh, that's still an active line minefield. What? It's like yeah. yeah. Don't step yeah. off the tarmac. And yeah. you're like. It's like right there. Holy shit. It's like the end of the carpet. You're like, yeah. holy shit. And then they shit. put the little red rocks. I think there's one over there, one over there. Well, like... it was always funny when, you know, they were doing them. They had the, I, I can't remember what force it was in there that was doing the, the demining. Yeah. yeah, the demon. They had a plastic face mask on. Like, That's going to save you, bro. <laughs> and they were down there. Well, they got The American advisor be off. Like, you know, said that the Afghan do that because it's their country, man. I don't, I don't want to see an American out there demining either. I would train these guys That's, and let them do it. You well, know? I think they probably lost enough of those guys that they just brought in heavy machinery. And we and saw just, just, just when they're plowing, they started yeah. like those those chain things that they would throw out into the right. field. Those things were badass. Yeah. You're like, damn, that would slice a man in half, yeah, you know, and, yeah. the, and it, it was kind of cool. And every now and then, you know, you would hear one go off and you'd be like, well, I hope that wasn't a kid. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and 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 you see it, man. All the the people with you know with two legs, one arm, whatever. Yeah. It's, so it still happens, and it still is a problem. And and then the uh, you know the um, the um, the Diego going in there and and um, tearing down all the crops and all the yeah the uh, poppy and uh, the marijuana. Um, which and it's one of those things like and we say we took the director. I had the director at the time we took her all over that place and she had a very high price on her head i bet um and what you can kind of see the side to sometimes and that's what's different about somebody who studied politics or studied in university studied uh in dc and whatever versus the dudes that been out there and really totally see different because you can see it's one thing when you sit there and you try to tell somebody politically 
what we need to do is we need to teach them how to raise different crops. Right. Well, what the fuck is that going to do is when it? when the a bushel of pot is going to make yeah. them ten grand compared to a bushel of corn that's going to make them five bucks? Yeah, exactly. You're, you're like, why are you even? You're, that, if that's yeah, so the them, best. It's crops. That, that person, it's, that farmer's not thinking, oh, this is going to get somebody high in America or in, they don't in care about overdose in London. They don't care. They, no. they need to put food on their, their tables. So, I mean, so it was you, a failure from the Yeah, we'd go in there and just, just destroy it, yeah. burn it all. Wonder and why. And guess what? Then more IDs would start going up. IDs was because now that farmer's pissed or the Taliban would be like, you see what the Americans are doing? Yeah. They're just taking food from your, your family. Go lay this out there, yeah. and they would do it because they would get the locals and stuff to do it. It's so true. Know. And you can kind of say, you know what? I can kind of see it. So I, I think some of our policies there were just ridiculous. And um, uh, and the Afghans in general, in my opinion, and going into a lot of different areas there, were very, compared to Iraq, I liked them, man. Most I did too. Them, very humble, very nice, very giving. Um, you know, and it's just that you get that, that population of the bad that, of that have the power mm, to go true. in and, um, you know, shut the schools down. I remember a school in Herat we went to visit. They took, the Taliban had gone and snatched the girls on. It was a girl school on the way to school and took uh, oh, the uh, water that, guns yeah. with poison and uh, blinded all of them. I think I remember that. Yeah, just horrible stuff like that. Dude, that happens people don't understand how fucked up those people were. Like the type yes. of, the the type of damage that they caused the population there. I mean, that was horrible. Like, I remember when I got on the ground and we're doing our first tour of the place, the, there's that soccer stadium. Yeah. The really nice yeah, one, yeah, right? Yeah, the blue one. Yeah. yeah. It's like... Still has the uh, yeah. Olympics uh, yeah, exactly. signs the, on it. Yeah, and, like, when we got there, they wanted to show us the, the grounds. You know, it's all... It's destroyed at this right. point. But we went in there and they showed us the, the different colored turf. Yeah. And the reason for the different color was because, like, earlier in the week before we got there, they were stoning people. Yeah, that's right. The they were still stoning. Dude. Uh, yeah. And, yep. and stoning them for offenses here that, you know, people don't have any comprehension about. No idea, man. And it's funny, too. I, I had taken a guy. He was a, he was a USAID guy, an older guy, older gentleman. He flew in, and um, I took him to, uh, where was that? Somewhere up north. And... Um, and I had army support on that one. There's army with us, and I got I was AIC, so you get to know the client pretty well. You yeah. Know, and we're talking, and we're driving and driving, and he's just looking around. He's like, "Man, I can't believe how bad this has gotten." I was, <laughs> I was like, "You've been here before, you know?" He's like, "He's like, I came here in the late '60s, early '70s, before oh, the Russians wow. got there, in a Volkswagen bus with his entire family, three children there? and his wife. They they were tourists." Are He's you like, fucking kidding yeah, me? back in the day, America would I don't, go there. I don't doubt it. They would travel around in their Volkswagen, smoke weed, hang out, and they, he said it was wonderful. Well, you, you know, know, what's so funny about crazy. that is if you think about that experience with that gentleman, that ex like that wasn't Af Afghanistan wasn't the only place that that happened. Yep. Like Egypt, yep. the, the, all you know, all the the eastern side of the Mediterranean where it's now just a shithole. Before then, it was. Like a paradise. It yeah. was a beautiful place to go. It was, uh, it was, collectively like an oasis to some to some yeah. extent. You know, I mean, it was. I think vibrant. a lot of the Middle East is is. Oh, like it's that, gorgeous. You know? I mean, it's, people it, don't really appreciate that. I mean, I haven't hit all of them. And there's been times where, like you said, it was safe and secure, and um, 
Americans were going, like literally hippies were going there and hanging out in the in the mountains, smoking weed with their kids and stuff, and hanging out and loving. I'm it. like, yeah. Now you can't. You do. You go down there with your family, and your guy like your the heads are all gone, bro. Like it's not happening. <laughs> I, I I I mean, like it's sad because there was um, th- there's like nobody really makes mention of it, but there will occasionally be a small report about a tourist or couple or family right. that or, goes um, out there missionaries yeah, yeah. the missionaries uh, here's the thing about missionaries they they've learned a lot they yeah. realize okay we can't do shit in here no. we're, <laughs> we're we're packing our bags and we're leaving yeah. but other people that are not part of an organization have this idea that they can go in there and change the hearts and minds right and first of all you know that's a noble gesture noble act but it's also naive. Right. It's incredibly naive, because w- the problem is, is that number one, that's not your job. You know, I mean, that's that the the problem that I see with that, because we had that happen. We we had news of this. It didn't happen. It was just like, hey, we got to be on the lookout for this. You know, it wasn't something that happened in Afghanistan, but in other a- areas, shit like this was happening, where people were going in there and trying to like convert or right. make people happy or whatever, and they were. You know, they were getting held, yeah, getting snatched up, held as hostages, and you know, then executed or murdered or whatever the case might be. And so, I was like, trying to help. I was trying to understand why somebody thought that they could go in there and just through good intentions and happy feelings change somebody. Like you said it right there. You know, when you look into somebody's eyes and you see that hate, you know it right off the bat. There's no question about it. What makes you think that you can go in there? And change that, like I, I mean, it's I just, not going to happen. Yeah, it's, uh, and I think that's a lot of our, some of our fault too with our, our foreign policy and so oh, folks yeah. we send over there. <laughs> I remember people showing up with a guitar and a teddy bear. Young, <laughs> you, you, young State Department kids are getting, on, and now that person's in charge of a certain area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A PRT. Yeah. Out in the middle of fucking Logar. <laughs> Dude, you, what do you know about? And so we'd go and we'd have our guns and gear and everything. Oh yeah. And they'd be like, "Can we? Can we lower Tone the gun?" Tone it down. I'm like, dude, actually, you know what? They respect this. Yeah. They respect this guns. If you didn't have this, they're not even gonna talk to you, man. Yeah. So sometimes it it's the only way to to get across to people. Now in the big picture, um, you know, and it does come down. I talked to Tim about the same thing in Africa. Is is the security and the well-being of the people is based upon having um a legit security force to, to take, protect that population. And that's what gets me today why here in America they want to defund that very principle, mm. our police. They want to defund that. Mm. Look at where what happens when you do that. There's examples all over the world, man. So, so true. for these people to believe in that, it's I'm like, if anything, they should give them more money. They need more training. As you know, cops don't dude. get to train, dude. They train to qualify once it's a year. Some of the SWAT dudes are lucky to be able to train, but... These guys need more money, more training, more, and we need more of them to so stop this to, stuff. To, to that point, the the philosophy that we need to defund the police. Like, first of all, I'm gonna I'm gonna be straight up. There is no systemic racism in, in law enforcement. No. There are isolated cases, and that's it. But you can also make the case that there are isolated cases in every fucking profession. Every. <laughs> so I fucking can't stand it when I hear people say that. All right. And like this, this incident happened in Wisconsin. Well, you know, what pisses me off more than anything is when people jump the gun. They're out there making assumptions without any facts, without any facts. They, again, and they're, they're doing nothing more than fanning the flames of hatred yep. because they are promoting this. They're like, oh, 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 look at all this. 
shut the fuck up. Yep. Let the investigation happen and find out what truly are the facts. Wait yeah. for the facts to come out. We have to take a step back, right? Because if that were to be the case, I mean, we're learning now, it's awfully quiet about what's happening with the officers involved of, with George Floyd. Right. But that's not looking like the narrative when it all kicked off. Right. We're starting to see some things that are not fitting the narrative that the media was pushing when it happened. Yeah. And, 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 to, and to think that where we're at right now, the the... the the incident, the the powder keg that started it all off was that, and now we're learning that maybe the, you know, the the narrative that everybody had at that time is not correct. Right. There's some there's some holes in that narrative. Right. Yet we're now starting to see the destruction of our society as a result of that. So, when it comes to defunding the police, the way I look at that is that there is, I mean, the, like the problem is people want to believe that they're civil. And they want to believe that people will go about their lives in a civilized manner. And I'm like, all right, well, that's, that's that's again, a noble gesture. But show me an example in history. Where that's worked. Exactly, where that has actually worked. (laughs) And then more importantly than that, show me the cost in human suffering and loss of life. All right? If you're not willing to at least study history and come back and say, oh, well, you know, look at what happened here and look at what happened. To happen. yeah, yeah. Look at what happened here and look at all the laws. So your, your, good, your good intentions really have no it's value. Naive, it, yeah. It's naive. It's, it's, it's dangerous. That's the it's thing. It's dangerous. not just naive. It's starting to get borderline dangerous yeah. because what happens, as we know, when the criminal or terrorist element is no longer held in check. Right. There's no reason for them to stop what they're doing, because no. like I feel like there's some there's some weird stuff happening right now. Yep. Dude, I, I I'm with you 100%. I think a lot of people are, um, and I, I think it's people are speaking out more about because uh, it it needs to happen. Otherwise, we're gonna have a, a a bad thing happen to our children and the generations ahead of us. So. Again, man, Jeff, it was honor having you yeah. and, and to know the guys like yourself out there are still putting up the fight, still carrying their shields, still keeping this country safe. Um, awesome, man. So keep doing what you're doing, dude. <laughs> Love having you, dude. Yeah, it was, for it sure. It was a blast. Uh, can't wait to see some of your you know, sketches. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, th- thanks thanks for coming in, man. I, oh, I, it's my pleasure. I, you know, I think the last time you and I got to catch up was – like I said, that shot show at the, the Tun Tavern, the Marine Bar there. That's true. <laughs> oh last time we got to sit down and talk, man. So, That's so true. That was a few years ago. So it's, uh, you know, we see each other in passing and, and the gym and stuff. So I'm, and you're right here too, man. So hopefully we can get together more. And, well, it'd be yeah, nice. Yeah, dude. And, and good luck with everything you're doing. Check out um, Jeff's stuff. You know, Jeff's got uh, his, his uh, your social media platforms. and Like I can't keep, uh, like I never can remember the call signs or whatever their names are. So I tell people if they just go to my website, tridentconcepts.com, I've got links to all the social oh, media. Oh, so, oh, yeah. Tridentconcepts.com. Tridentconcepts.com. Check them out. And uh, if you ever want to train too, man, just <laughs> one of the best, man. So I appreciate he, he'll that. Shoot, he'll teach you how to shoot. I enjoy that. But, That's yeah, a lot of fun. Freaking love you, man. Thanks, oh, thanks Jeff. My pleasure, right brother. On, brother. My pleasure. Welcome to the Going Rogue with Wes Whitlock podcast.